Hello and welcome to the Thrive Online Podcast. This is our sermon series podcast and I wanted to thank you for joining us today. As we get going, I wanted to say that whether you are tuning in today from the car, the gym, or even your work or home, we pray that today's message inspires you and that it gives you hope and builds your faith. So let's lean in, turn up the volume, and get excited as we get ready to learn today. Well, good morning, friends. Good morning. Uh, Didn't the worship team just do an awesome job? Aren't they doing so great? I love it. I love it because every, you know, like Jordan's doing such a great job. He is constantly adding new people. And so I just want to say this. If you are sitting out there and you have a gift, a talent, if you can sing, carry a note, if you can play an instrument, please come and speak to Jordan because we'd love to continue to add more people to our worship team. I know he'd love to do that as well. Um, This morning, I just want to welcome you and just take a moment to welcome any of you that might be here for the first or the second time and just say thank you for having the courage to be with us this morning. My guess is this. My guess is that you're here because either someone you trust invited you to come uh, or maybe you are, were kind of looking for an opportunity to kind of get reconnected to the church or you're searching for a place to just get connected to a local church. Uh, or there's also the chance that you just you came here today because you've been kind of searching for hope, searching for some answers in life. And somehow, some way you walked through the doors today. And, and here's what I want to say to, to all of you that I believe you're here for a reason. I believe that God doesn't make mistakes, that you're not here by accident, that that God is always at work at calling us to a deeper relationship with him. And oftentimes he uses the local church uh, to help us go deeper in our walk with him. And so I believe you're here on purpose. Now there's something you need to know about this church. If you're new with us, we're not a perfect church. Uh, you know, if you, it, oftentimes we go places and we want to find the perfect place for us, right? The perfect job, the perfect restaurant, the perfect situation. Here's the reality. This church is not a perfect church because we're filled with humans. And, uh, and so because we're human, we make mistakes. And, and that means even making mistakes when it comes to how we live out our faith. But here's what we can say is that though we may not be perfect, um, we are, we're doing our best to live to be a good church, And I say live to be a good church because we are the church as people. It's not this building, but we want to live to be a good church. We want to be a Christ-centered church focused on the life of Jesus and what he taught us and how we can apply that to our lives as his disciples. And and we want to be a spirit-filled church, understanding that if Christ, if we've received Christ as our Lord, that, that he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live in us and give us the power and the wisdom that we need but we're not a perfect church. So we, we like to say this, we are imperfect people becoming the church on the mission with Jesus to bring hope and healing to the world. And today you might feel like a guest by my prayers that by the time you leave, you'll feel more like family and that Thrive will really feel like home. That's my prayer for each and every one of you if you're joining us for the first or second time. Today's our second week of a series called Breakthrough. Everybody say Breakthrough. And what we're doing is we're looking at examples in the Gospels of times when Jesus uh, intersected the lives of people who were at a a crossroads. They were kind of at a tension point in their life. And the times that Jesus helped them experience a spiritual breakthrough. And the truth is that each and every one of us, um, each and every one of us here is probably in one of three phases of our spiritual life. 
There are probably some of us here who have never truly experienced a spiritual breakthrough. We're still curious about this person of Jesus, and we've heard a lot about him. We might know a lot about him, but we've never truly gotten to know him personally. And so you've never had a true spiritual breakthrough moment with him. There are others of us that are here that I truly believe this. As I look through this room, there are others of us here who are in the midst of a breakthrough moment because breakthrough always happens at a point of tension, at a point of growth. And so some of us are in the midst of that right now. We feel it. We feel like the spiritual kind of tension inside of us. We feel like there's there's something just around the corner for us and that God is like working something in us and we feel that and we just haven't quite broken through yet. Maybe there are some here who we've gone through a spiritual breakthrough recently. We're excited about what God has taught us. We're excited about kind of the new thing that we're experiencing in Christ, this new revelation of him, this new understanding of how much he loves us. But we also recognize this, that another breakthrough is around the corner. Because here's the thing about breakthrough. Breakthrough is not just a one-time thing. It's not a static moment in our lives. In fact, breakthrough um, happens oftentimes when we're coming to the end of one season and moving into a new season that God is calling us into. What happens when we hit a roadblock? We feel this tension, we feel this struggle. And so what happens is that God wants to help us become mature and complete and not lacking in anything. So what he does is he helps us push through those moments in our lives. We might be tempted to complain that we don't like those experiences. Sometimes feeling that tension, feeling that pain, that struggle doesn't feel good. And so we'd like to complain about it, right? But James says that we should actually do something different, something countercultural. What James says this in his book, he says in chapter one, verses two, he says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Trials meaning things that, that bring tension, struggle, a fight, right? Something that we're aiming towards, something that we're going up against. And he says, because you know that this testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that, everybody say so that, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. This series is for each and every one of us in this room. It's a series meant to help us see that what God is doing and to embrace the fact that he is leading us to a breakthrough with him. Now, I bet many of us might be thinking, I'm not sure if I have the strength or the courage to face that. I'm not sure. That's, that seems kind of intimidating. I know that, oh man, but I just don't know if I have it. And, and if, you're, if you're trying to do it on your own and in your own strength, you're absolutely right. You probably don't have the strength. But we need to remember this, that the Holy Spirit has come to lead us, to encourage us, to empower us, to indwell us so that we have the strength that we need. We have the wisdom we need. We have the understanding that we need. And so I just want to take a moment right now and invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do in our lives today as we sit and consider what God has for us today through his word. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, we we need you to speak clearly to us this morning. We need your presence to be real to us as we sit and interact with your word. May our eyes see you move. May our ears hear your voice. May our hearts respond to your command. And would you help us to have the courage to obey whatever it is you ask of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a question for you this morning. How many of you enjoy nature? Raise your hands. You enjoy nature, okay? Now, I just want to get a scale of kind of where people are at in enjoying nature. How many of you are like, I am a good day hike nature person? 
Just give me a day hike and I'm good. Okay, a few of you, okay. How many of you are like, I'd go camp out for a night in nature. Now I'm not talking RV camping. I'm talking like you're in a tent, okay? Tent camping, right? A few of us, a few of us. How many of you are like, I would go two days into the backcountry and camp with the bears? Okay, a few of us crazy people. All right, okay, okay. Now I kind of know who you are and kind of what your adventure level is. So if you come and ask me if I want to go out into the woods with you, I know what to expect. (laughs) Like, Megan and I made the mistake one time of going on a hike with some people who said, oh, it's an easy hike. And we're like, okay, like, what do you mean by easy? Like, oh, it's like, it's only just, it's like a couple miles there, a couple miles, easy hike. Boy, were we wrong, (laughs) right? Didn't help that we went in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the hottest time of the summer, um, but it was like, it was torture. Like, we were just like encouraging each other to make it back to the car. (laughs) Like, we were, okay? So like, you know, I just need to know where you guys are all at this morning. Now I have to know this. Is there anyone here who has like done those kinds of adventures and you've had to be rescued? Anybody here that's had to be rescued? Like you've had to have somebody come save you? Good, good. I'm so proud of you. You all have wisdom. You're, wil- you're awesome wilderness wanderers. You're not the kind of people that get lost in the woods, right? I have to be honest with you today. Um, I need to be very vulnerable and just share with you something that you may not know by looking at me, but I, um, I'm useless in the woods. I know, shocker, right? Like, I thank you so much for thinking that, like, I'm an outdoorsy kind of person, right? Like, you look at me, you're like, he must love the outdoors, right? I like watching and looking at the outdoors. Um, I'm occasionally, like, okay with going into the out-of-doors, like, wildernessy kind of stuff. Like, I'm fine with that, you know? But um, I'm not the person you're going to go to, like, and say, like, what are the best kind of little hikes that you can do in the Pacific Northwest? I would look at you and say, the hike to my mailbox. Like, you know, like, I... I don't know, like that's just not me. I know that's a surprise maybe for some of you, but let me make it clear. I'm not completely useless. If there is a trail and there are signs, I'm all for it, right? Like if, if, it's, if there's a sign directing me to a place and I get to that place and they say, and this is the way back, I'm good. Take me there, that's fun. Because I have directions and I won't get lost, right? However, if we find ourselves in the wilderness, like off the trail, like really out in the wild some way, I would, you guys, we'd be in big trouble because I would not be the person to lead us back to safety. Like I would kind of have a nose for where we needed to go, but I probably wouldn't be the person that you'd want to count on because I know that I would probably end up being a person, um, like one of the numbers, one of the statistics. Did you know that on average every year there's about 14,000 people that get lost and need rescuing? I don't want to be one of those, right? I don't want to be one of those numbers. And I'm okay with that. I understand this about myself. I know that um, the closest I'll ever get to really roughing it in, in the nature, you know, coming to start my own fire, cooking food over the fire, uh, the closest I'll ever get to that is watching Survivor, okay? Like, that's the closest I'll get. Like, I'll watch them, and I'll critique their ability to start fires. Like, you need more. You need to get more of those shavings. Come on, you're not, you don't have enough shavings. Like, more tinder, you know? Come on, oh, you got to keep it, you know? Like, I'll, I'll critique people doing that, uh, but it's not for me. It's just not, I know that, it's, it's just where I'm at. I'm okay with that. Because the reality is that, you know, I just don't want to get lost. Like, it all boils down to when I was a kid, I got lost one time in a mall, and from that point on, I just never want to get lost again, right? Getting lost is tragic. It can feel hopeless, can it? Getting lost is tragic. And when you're truly lost and you're counting on someone to come and rescue, it can be a little scary, because you're not sure if someone will actually come and find you and help you get back home. You just don't know if anyone is coming for you, caring about you. And if we're lost, 
Many of us would be elated if we saw search and rescue come around the corner and finding us right where we're at, wouldn't we? We were sitting in the woods, lost, not knowing where to go. We'd be elated. We'd be so excited if out of nowhere, search and rescue showed up. That means somebody cared enough to contact them. Somebody cared enough to send them to us. Somebody cared enough to help us be found. What I love about search and rescue is this, that their job is to assess our situation when they come and find us. That's their role. Their role is to come and assess the situation, maybe do some triage if there's some injury or if there's some harm that's been done. Um, they, they're going to give us food and water and the support, right? What they're not going to do is judge us. Now, maybe secretly in their minds, they might question like, why are you out here? You don't have a backpack. You don't have any food. How did you get to this point, right? But they're not going to express their judgment on us. They're not going to critique us. They're going to ask some questions, get, make some observations. Ultimately, what they're going to try to do is give us hope. They're going to try to let us know it's okay. You're safe. We're going to get you home. Now, if I ever got lost in the wilderness, it won't happen. I've already told you why. But if, for some reason, it were to happen, I know this for sure. If I was rescued, I would make a point of shouting from the rooftops the names of the people who rescued me. Like, I would tell everyone, oh, man, Tom, he showed up. Susan, she showed up. Barry, he showed up. They came and they rescued me. I was totally lost. But they came, and they got me out of that situation. And man, I just got to tell you, search and rescue is amazing. You guys should consider being search and rescue, right? Maybe I'll even consider it. No, I won't. <laughs> really? Like we would shout their names. We would celebrate all that they had done because our lives would have been changed forever. We would have, it would have been a moment in our lives, a breakthrough moment, an understanding of, man, I don't ever want to be in that situation ever again. This is a situation that we actually can kind of see happening in the Gospel of John in chapter 4. Now, it's not too far of a stretch, but I think you'll see how this all comes together. Today, we're going to look at how Jesus facilitated a breakthrough moment with an unexpected person. So let me just set the scene really quickly. Jesus is traveling from a region of Galilee, which is kind of north of Judea, and they're traveling back to Judea, and, and normally what would happen is the Jewish people would kind of avoid this certain area called Samaria. Like, they would go the long way around just to avoid going to that place. It's kind of like in the middle of the summer when we have the Lavender Festival, and I avoid going downtown. Anybody else there with me? It's not necessarily like it's a totally bad place, but it just is not fun to go through that place. And, and for Jewish people, there's this tension that they have with Samaritan people because there's a shared kind of faith a little bit, but the Samaritan people were basically kind of outcasts because in the time of the exiles of the Jewish people, the Israelite nation, when they were in Babylon, there were some that were left in, Ju in Judea. And so they um, started to intermarry with foreign people. And so when the captives came home, they didn't like the Samaritan people, because they weren't honoring God by not kind of marrying into other faiths and other religions, other cultures. And so there was this tension, even though much of what they believed, the Samaritan people believed, was similar to the Jewish people. So there wasn't just a kind of a cultural thing, there was also a religious tension. So the Jews just would go all the way around, they would avoid it, they would, even though it took longer, instead of going from A to B, they'd go like A, C, D, and then you know, get to B. That's the attitude they had. But Jesus was different. Let's read what Jesus did. 
says here in John chapter, uh, in John verse four, it says he had to go through Samaria on the way. Everybody say he had to. Eventually he came to a Samaritan village called Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Maybe the disciples were like, okay, Jesus, we're going, we're going, if we're going to go through Samaria, let's just kind of like keep it moving, right? Let's just keep moving. Let's just keep going. Let's not stop. I know we're tired. We've been walking all day, but let's just keep going. Let's get out of this area. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to stop. And so they stop at this little town, Sychar, and, and he sends the disciples into town to go get food. And he just rests at the well of Jacob. And he's sitting there and he's resting. And what happens is at noontime, a woman comes to the well. Now, most people, most women in that time, would not come at noon. They would come early in the morning, before the heat of the day. They'd get the water that they need for the rest of the day. But this woman came in the middle of the day. And so this signaled to Jesus that this woman was, was likely a social outcast. She was lost and without hope. She was lost. She didn't know where she fit. In fact, she was probably pushed out into the social wilderness. And Jesus does something surprising. He speaks to her and he asks her for a drink and look at her response. And this is exactly the kind of response that makes sense for this situation. In verse nine, it says, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? See, it would be uncommon for a male who's on his own to speak to a female who's on her own, especially a woman who was there in the middle of the day. There would obviously be something that, that would kind of signal to Jesus, like, this is a woman I should avoid so that I don't get caught up in something that, into some rumors or into some, something that I don't even know is going on. But instead, he leans in and he looks at her and he speaks to her as a Jew to a Samaritan, as a man to a woman, he leans in and he speaks. Now, this woman knew Jesus shouldn't be talking to her. All cultural rules said that this would, would not and should not happen. But Jesus pushes past the tension of those sinful and hate-filled norms that had already been created because he wanted to help this woman experience a breakthrough in her life. I love what John records here that Jesus saying next in response to what the woman said to him. In verse 10, Jesus replies, if only you knew the gift of God that the gift of God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Notice that Jesus does not condemn her. He does not shame her. He doesn't try to put her in her place. What he does is he offers grace. He offers a conversation. He offers a moment where she can respond to him. He offers something more than just giving water. He offers life change. He offers grace. He extends her an invitation for her to ask him something. But like many people who are found lost out in the wilderness, they, she was confused and uncertain by what was going on. You know, when you get lost in the wilderness, oftentimes you run out of food, you run out of water, and you start to get confused. You start to get turned around. You, you start to not know exactly what's the right way and the wrong way to go. And so you just kind of get stuck. That's where this woman is. She's lost. She doesn't understand what Jesus is really trying to offer. She doesn't understand what's about to happen. 
This woman didn't know how to respond to this grace that Jesus had offered. She was filled with questions. And I love that Jesus is patient with her. He doesn't get upset that she's asking questions, that she's, she's kind of throwing things out there to him. And he just keeps responding with love. She was stuck thinking about the physical, but Jesus was trying to get her to consider the eternal, the spiritual life that he had for her. So he gently says to her in verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. See, she's still thinking about the, the water as being this physical thing, this thing that she could hold on to or she could, you know, she could put her hands around, she could splash in, right? She says, no, 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 that, that water will always run out. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You see, Jesus offers this woman hope for a new life, a different life. It's as if he's saying to her, I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to bring you back home. Look at her response in verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. She still thinks that it's something tangible, something that she can kind of grasp. She can kind of put a bucket around, right? She's still thinking that's the kind of water because she says, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. What she's really saying is this, I'll no longer be put to shame. I'll no longer have to come in the middle of the day where everyone can see me up on the hill and they can all say, yep, she's out there because she's done terrible things. She's an outcast. She doesn't deserve to be part of our culture. She doesn't deserve to be in relationship with anyone. She's thinking in her mind, this will change my life because it'll change the fact that I have to come here on display for everyone to see in the middle of the day. That's not what Jesus is offering He's offering something more. He's offering something greater. She doesn't want to continue to be a pariah. And so Jesus is offering something better. Jesus does something next that's very important for us to understand. He leans into the tension so that this woman can truly experience a breakthrough. Jesus creates an opportunity for this woman to come clean. He gives her a chance to confess that she is lost. He gives her a chance to confess on her own that she is lost. She's in need of rescue from the wilderness of her own sin. Here's what he says. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus says to her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Certainly you spoke the truth. Again, Jesus isn't condemning. Jesus isn't shaming. He's acknowledging the truth that she just spoke. This woman's confession is key because admitting that you need rescue is the first step in being rescued, isn't it? It's kind of that age old story, maybe you've heard it. You know, there's a man who's warned that a flood is coming and he's like, don't worry, God will save me. And as the water starts to rise, the fire department comes and says, hey, it's time to get out. We're here to help you. The water's going to keep rising. We want to save you. He's like, no, 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 God will save me. Water continues to rise, and it kind of gets to the bottom level of the house, and it's moving to the second floor. And so people in boats come to this person. They say, hey, we're here to rescue you. And they're like, no, 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 God will save me. Water rises to the top of the house. The man's up on the roof, and a helicopter comes and says, hey, we're here to rescue you. He says, no, 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 God will save me. And then all of a sudden we see this man, he's standing before God and he's like, God, why didn't you save me? He said, well, I sent 
the fire department and I sent the boat and I sent the helicopter, why didn't you get on them? We have to admit that we are lost. We have to admit that we need help. We need rescue. And that's what this woman does. She says, I I don't have a husband. She confesses to him willingly. This is where I'm at. I'm here at the well right now because of this situation. Jesus then explains to the woman what a transformed life would look like. He says, but a time is coming, indeed is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit, and those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. This woman makes her declaration of faith. Even though she doesn't have all the answers, even though she isn't the most educated person, she does believe that there is a Messiah that is to come. You see, she has an understanding of faith. She's like many of us in this room. She has a faith. She has an understanding, but she has to have it recontextualized for her. And Jesus says, no, this is how true worshipers will worship. She makes her confession. She says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. She knows that there's a time when all of the things she doesn't understand will be answered. The tension has been growing in this woman. From the moment Jesus spoke to her, she has been feeling this growing pressure inside of her. Her sin has been exposed to a stranger. Her desperation has been revealed. Her need has been declared. And Jesus says something that finally causes a breakthrough for this woman. And it's the same thing he says to you and I. In verse 26, Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. It's at this moment that the woman's life is changed. It's in this moment that she comes to this realization. She's set free. Her sin is forgiven. Her life is made new. Jesus declares to her, I am the one that you just confessed. You've, You've confessed your sins to me. You've made a declaration of your faith in the Messiah. And I'm here to tell you, I am he. And he'd already just told her that those who truly worship will worship in spirit and truth. And so now she understands, I I can't just like say that I have this faith. Now I need to go declare this new belief that I have in this man named Jesus who just came and spoke to me and understood everything about me. And so she runs into the city and she begins to declare to all of her family and friends, all the ones that rejected her, that that this Messiah had come, that he understood everything about her, that he, he told her all of her life. He read her mail and she says, man, you need to come and see this man named Jesus. love that Jesus lays it out for her. He says, true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This woman leans in and says, that's what I want. That's what I want. I love this story because it's at this moment we can see how God moves that if we were to kind of like turn the camera on ourselves, if we were to kind of turn this story on ourselves, the reality is, is oftentimes we like to think that we're the Jesus person in this story. That we're the ones that are called to go into these, to go to all these places and to speak to people who are sinners and to, you know, bring hope and healing. And yes, that's 100% absolutely true. But what we need to first do is examine our own hearts and realize that we are the Samaritan woman. In fact, many of us in this room who have declared Jesus as our Savior, we have an understanding of the spiritual. This woman had faith. 
She had an understanding of who God was and that there was this Messiah that would come. And many of us in this room have an understanding of who Jesus is. And yet she was living a sinful life. She was living a life that was not lined up with what Jesus or God had for her. Some of us in this room are doing the same thing. Many of us, all of us, struggle with getting off course, with getting distracted, with maybe not walking the path that God has marked out for us, the way that he's marked out for us. And so the truth is, many of us are in need of a breakthrough. And I believe that there are some here this morning who are in desperate need for God to break through for the first time in your life. Maybe as I've been speaking, you're, you've been feeling a pressure in your chest and the weight of your mistakes, and you're living in confusion the kind of confusion that sin brings to our lives. And you know that, that you're not just wandering, but that you're lost. You came here searching for a truth. You came here searching for a new way. So there might be some of you here today who've never really allowed Christ to be your savior. You've never given him that opportunity. You've never confessed your sins you know that you're not just wandering, but that you're lost. And Jesus wants you to know something important about himself. And we can see it throughout this passage. There's kind of four big ideas that we can understand about Jesus. And this is what they are. It'll be up on the screen. I want to say this. He is willing to go anywhere to rescue you. Jesus is willing to go anywhere to rescue you. He was willing to go through Samaria to speak to this woman. Jesus is willing to initiate the relationship with you no matter how lost you appear to be. Think about how Jesus initiated conversation with her. He could have sat silently as this woman drew her water and as she kind of looked over her shoulder at him like, who is this guy? Why is he here? He seems like he doesn't belong. But instead, he starts a relationship. He starts a conversation with this woman. And Jesus is willing to initiate relationship with you. He also gives grace and not condemnation to those who are lost. If you're here today and, and you're searching for hope, know this, that Jesus is not here to condemn you. He's here to rescue you. And the last thing we can see in this passage is that he chooses to offer hope for a new life. Your life doesn't have to continue to be what it is, but there is a hope for a new life in Christ. Today could be the day of your breakthrough. Today, you could find a way back home. Today could be, the, could be the way back to the loving arms of your heavenly father, the one who desires the best for you. And like the woman at the well, you can make your confession of sin. And like the woman at the well, you can declare your faith in the Messiah. Like the woman at the well, you can walk in freedom today. I would love for you to experience that breakthrough this morning by simply leading you through a simple prayer. And if you're ready for that breakthrough today, I would ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. And for those of you who said a prayer like this, you know how much courage it takes. And so I would just ask that you would join your faith to those who are saying this for the first time. Would you repeat these words after me? Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I believe that your sacrifice for me is the only way to be saved. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life 
transform the way I think. I want to be more like you. Give me the courage to obey you today and all of my tomorrows. Amen. In just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in a song of reflection, and I want to invite all of those who are disciples of Jesus, including those of you who for the first time invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you are welcome to join in this celebration. We're going to receive our communion elements this morning in just a moment. And so as the worship team plays, I want to invite you to come from where you're at, grab these elements, take them back to your seat, and we will receive them all together as a church. But this is an opportunity for each and every one of us to examine our hearts, to realign our hearts to the mission and the gospel of Jesus. And I wonder if there are some of us here this morning that need to remember what that mission calling is. This is for all of us who call ourselves believers, disciples. This is something for each of us to examine. Some of us here today need to answer a few hard questions about our life in Christ. Could it be that some of us need a breakthrough in our worship this morning? We need to evaluate if we're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So here are some questions you might ask yourself this morning as you come to the communion table. I'm going to ask that you keep these questions up for just a few moments so people can read them. The first one is, as a disciple of Jesus, am I willing to go wherever to save the lost? Am I willing to go wherever? As a disciple of Jesus, am I willing to initiate relationships with others no matter how lost they appear to be? That might be hard for some of us because we like to isolate ourselves and just surround ourselves with nobody but believers. And that's an important thing. We need to be surrounded by believers, but, but we also need to be surrounded by people who don't know Jesus so that we can kind of spread that good news and that hope with those who need it. As a disciple of Jesus, do I choose to give grace or condemnation to those who are lost? Do I see them and recognize I was just like them? And so I offer grace and empathy and care as I walk with them and help them come to an understanding and conversation that Jesus came to give new life. The last question we might need to ask ourselves is, as a disciple of Jesus, do I offer the hope of a new life in Christ? Do I help people see that the life that they're living without Christ will never amount to what they hope? but a life in Christ will transform everything about their life. Not meaning that it gets perfect, not meaning that you'll never face challenges, because like I said earlier, in our walk with Christ, we are going to regularly face tension, opportunities for Christ to give us the strength to break through to a deeper level. Jesus even said that we will face trouble, that that, that people will persecute us because of our faith in him when they insult us and persecute us and say all kinds of evil against us because of Jesus, not because of our decisions, but because of who Jesus is, that we are blessed. So we can count on the the, the reality that we will face tension, we will face difficulty, but Jesus is there to help us break through. Jesus is there to help us have a new life in him, that even in the midst of that struggle, we are becoming more and more complete and mature in Christ. Would you stand? These are some important questions that I want each of us to consider 
as the worship team leads us in this song. So just for, just for a few more moments, as maybe they're singing the verse, we'll leave that up there. And then when we get to the chorus, we can put the words up for the song. Hey, thanks again for joining us for Thrive Online this week. For more information about our church, go to thrivesquim.com and fill out a connection card. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next week, either in person or right here on the Thrive Online Podcast.